And so I want you to follow along with me as we read through it, because the whole chapter is really, well, we need to cover it all because it's the same story. And so I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to break it down and work our way through this, and we'll try to get through it all this morning. The title of the message this morning is From Darkness to Light. From Darkness to Light. Let's begin in verse 1. You follow along as I read. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now let me stop right there just for a second because we need to take in the context here. The context of this, if you'll recall from our past lessons through uh, the Gospel of John was in chapter 8, and we focused mainly on uh, Jesus' declaration in John chapter 8 and verse 12, the last time we were together. And the Bible says there that, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And you remember that Jesus was in the temple at the time, It was the Feast of Tabernacles is the whole context behind that. Uh, Right after the Feast of Tabernacles was over, uh, Jesus was teaching in the temple there. And you remember that that the Bible says as well in in verse 20 of chapter 8, these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. And, And the significance of that was that as Jesus was teaching in the treasury, right after the Feast of the Tabernacles, in the court of women, there was these giant candelabras, 75 feet tall, that would just blaze fire. And there was four of them, and they would just light up Jerusalem and all of the surrounding area. And it was with that backdrop that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Okay? That's the context. And so... That's taken place, and Jesus has this back and forth with the Pharisees and so on. They want to kill him. They want to stone him. Uh, And then we come into chapter 9. And chapter 9, I love how chapter 9 comes right on the heels of Jesus' declaration of, I am the light of the world. Because the story that we're reading about in chapter 9 becomes an illustration and an application of what Jesus just said that I'm the light of the world. What does that actually mean? And this story for us that we're going to read here becomes the illustration and the application of what Jesus really means. And so you'll, you'll see that as we walk through and break it down. But I want you to understand that context. So that's just taken place. And then the Bible says at the end of chapter 8, uh, Jesus said unto them in verse 58, I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. He's declaring his deity, that he's God. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. And then you see, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Okay, so this is right on the heels of all of that. So you got the picture? So he sees this man that was born blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world." When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came, seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. So he testified of himself. I'm the one. I was blind. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? 
He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him, asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, he put clay upon mine eyes and I washed and I and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he had opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. This is key. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? You know, that goes right in line with what we heard this morning. The degree that men will go to, to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. A complete miracle that no one can do. And they just completely bypass it. The degree that they will go to, to and refuse to acknowledge that he is the Christ. So we go on. Verse 30-33. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether get together born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. What an amazing statement. This guy had never seen anything in his life. But his statement, you've seen him, and he it is that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. I want to speak to you this morning on this title, this subject from darkness to light. Let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to bless the message. Lord, we pray that you'd use your word in our life today. We pray Lord, I specifically pray for those who are still walking in darkness. They're not saved. And as Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He that believeth on me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And Lord, we thank you for this illustration of that truth, that you're the light of the world and how you bring spiritual sight to those that are blind, spiritual light to those who cannot see. What a great illustration and application this story is of that wonderful truth. And Lord, I pray to that end this morning 
that those who are walking in darkness, those who are spiritually blind, who cannot see, Lord, that you'd open up their eyes and give them light, that they might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Use your word today. Bless our soul with it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so we've read through this whole passage here, and we find in this great passage of Scripture a man who is blind. The Bible says this man was born blind. But now, obviously, he's a grown man. He's an adult. I think what we can take away from that is that this man had lived his entire life in a world of darkness. None of us are blind here in this room. I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone's experienced a moment of blindness in their life. I don't really know. But I can only imagine what it would be like to actually be blind, to not be able to see, to never have seen anything. Just the total world of darkness that you live in. You have your other senses. You can hear, you can smell, you can touch, and so on. But to not be able to see, you can't... This man, for example, had never seen the light of day. He was born this way. This man had never seen the faces of his parents. He knew who they were, but he had never seen their face. He'd never, he didn't know what they looked like. Could you imagine? This man had never seen an animal. He'd never seen a tree. He'd never, he'd never seen a, a, a reflection of anything. This was his entire life. All this man had ever known was a world of complete darkness until he met Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus healed this man of his blindness and immediately his life was changed. And the one thing, if he was certain of anything in his life, was he used to be blind, but now he can see. His life was changed, and before, all that he had ever known was darkness. But then Jesus comes along, and the Bible says that when he obeyed what Jesus told him to do, the Bible says he came again seeing. And he had gone from a world of darkness to light. And I want to take this passage today and the events surrounding it, go through it, and use this man's blindness and make some parallels and some applications for us today. The first thing that I want you to notice with me here is the misery of blindness in verses 1 through 3. We read it already, but the Bible says that Jesus passed by in verse 1. He saw this man who was blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. As the scriptures state here, this man was born blind. And there were those who just assumed that there was some great sin this man or his parents had committed, and that was the reason why he was blind. That's what verse 2 tells us. But that's not why he was blind. Because verse 3 tells us that the reason he was born blind was so that the works of God should be made known, manifest or made known in him. The reason he was born blind, in other words, was so that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would have this opportunity to show forth his divine power and his mercy. The reason he was born blind was so that the wonderful works of God would be made known. Now, I want to highlight this, though, because I'm going to make an application with it. Did this man choose for himself to be born this way? Nope. He didn't choose for himself to live this life that he had lived, his entire life up to this point. We don't know how old he was, but he's a grown man. So his entire life, he didn't choose this for himself. And I see a great parallel in this man's story with each and every one who has ever lived. Listen, friend, we are all born into this world a particular way. We're born into this world sinners. We're born into this world spiritually blind. It was not our choice to be born a sinner. I didn't choose it for myself. 
But there's nothing that I could do about it. I didn't choose to even be born. You didn't choose to be born. But because we're born sinners, we are born spiritually blind and in spiritual darkness from the moment we come into this world. The Bible says that in Romans 5 and verse 12, that wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The application is Adam's sin uh, plunged the whole human race into sin. And therefore, it's transferred down from generation to generation that we come into this world already condemned before God. The Bible says we come into this world from the womb speaking lies, already violating the law of God. That's how we come into this world. That's how we're born. Spiritually blind and in spiritual darkness condemned already. Now, you say, why in the world would God do that? Well, the truth of the matter is, friend, God didn't do it. God allowed sin, I suppose you could say that. But it wasn't God's choice. It was man's choice. But here's the point that I want to make this morning. We could argue all day long the mystery of sin and spiritual blindness. We could say, well, why in the world did that happen? Listen, that is not relevant. What is actually relevant is the fact that we are sinners. That's what's relevant. Well, I didn't choose it for myself. It doesn't matter, friend. The fact is you are. We're spiritually blind even though it was not by our choice. Listen, this man did not choose to be born blind. It wasn't his fault. But, it's, but listen, friend, here's the truth of the matter. It didn't change the fact that he was blind. And in the same way, we're born sinners, not by our choice, but that in no way changes the fact that we are sinners, and that is the issue that we have to deal with. Now, we could look at several passages of Scripture Like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We could look at Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20, that there's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. We could look at all of those. I don't know that we have to belabor the point that we're all sinners, but Romans 11.32 does say, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Galatians 3.22, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. The point is, we're sinners by nature. We also sin by choice. We're born into this world spiritually blind and in darkness. And that is the issue we have to consider. There's misery for this man who lived his whole life in darkness. There's only misery in the life of one who is spiritually blind, who doesn't come to the light. No matter how we might try to add to this temporal life things that will make us happy, it never will. If money and if, 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 if things could, could, could satisfy in this life, there would be multitudes who were totally satisfied. But you see over and over and over again that those who are the wealthiest people in the world are some of the most miserable people. Nothing will ever satisfy To move on, I want to move on to the next point. I want you to look at verses 6 and 7. We saw the misery of this man's blindness, his whole life this way. But I want you to see then the method of deliverance that we find. Look at verse 5. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he goes on right, right here. He says, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Here is the method of deliverance. Notice the Bible says that this man's deliverance was because of some spit and some clay turned into mud. The Bible says that Jesus spit on the ground 
And then he took that little pile of spit and clay and mashed it all together. And then he put it on this man's eyes. Now, if he could see what Jesus was doing, <laughs> you think he would be ready to just let him do it? I mean, you could see someone's going to spit and they're going to take some mud and then they're going to start to put it on your eyes. You're like, hey, 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 whoa. Not today, buddy. <laughs> I don't know if Jesus or if the man understood exactly what Jesus was doing. He could hear really well. I bet you he heard Jesus spit. But did he know what he was going to do? I think we could say that the method of this man's deliverance was strange and mysterious and, and, and a bit different. And when the Bible tells us that Jesus put the clay on this man's eyes, and I just think about that whole situation. You know, here's Jesus, the, the Almighty God in the flesh, who spits on the ground and mixes it into the dirt, and he starts putting it on this man's eyes, and then he says, Now I want you to go wash it off. Why did Jesus do that? You understand what I'm getting at? I just put some mud on your face. Now I want you to go wash it off. Was that really what healed this man and caused him to see? Some special magic in the mud? It's magic mud. And some of us would be like, hey, if that really works, I need some of that mud for my face. Some of you really need it. I don't think that was anything at all. The eye-opening, sight-giving power for this man's healing was not in the mud. It wasn't in the spit. It was in this. It was in his belief and his obedience to Jesus' word. That is where the power for healing came from. The Bible says that he went his way. After Jesus did this to him, Jesus says, go and wash it off in the pool of Siloam. The Bible says he went his way, therefore, and he washed and he came again seeing. He went away blind still. You notice that? He didn't get his sight right then. He went away blind still. But he obeyed the voice of the Lord, and upon his obedience to the command of Christ, that is what changed this man's life. Now, here again, this man was not responsible for being born blind, but here's what he was responsible for. He was responsible for accepting or rejecting the message of grace that Jesus was giving to him right now. That is what he was responsible for. If he had despised the means by which he was to be healed, he wouldn't have obeyed the word of Jesus. He would have also remained in his darkness. Amen? That reminds me of that Old Testament example of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. You remember him? Naaman was the captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a popular man. He was an adored man. He was a powerful man. The Bible says that he was a great man. The Bible says he was honorable in the sight of all the people. But the problem was that Naaman was a leper. <clears throat> and you remember that this was the thing that Naaman wanted the most in his life, was to be cleansed of his leprosy. And so the Bible tells us in 2 Kings 5 that he went to the prophet Elisha, the man of God, to be healed. And the man of God told him to go and do what? Told him to go wash in the river Jordan seven times, correct? What was the response of Naaman to that? The Bible says that he was angry. The Bible says that he was wroth. The Bible says that, that he, was, he was mad at the, at the command of the prophet, and he went away in a rage. Guess what? He was still a leper, wasn't he? Now, to Naaman's credit later on, uh, Naaman was convinced and believed, and he went and washed 
in the River Jordan, Naaman was healed. But the point was that when he despised the prophet's command, he went away the same as, as, as he was. He didn't experience any cleansing until he had obeyed the voice of the prophet. And, and, and the point that I'm making here is this. If this man, the man that was born blind, had despised the command of the Lord, he would have never had the opportunity to see. The exact same thing plays out over and over and over again today. The same is true today, my friend, when a man or a woman or a boy or a girl despises the command of the Lord uh, to repent and to believe the gospel and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they lose their opportunity to be free from spiritual blindness. There are far too many people in this world who try to convince themselves that they're not They're not so bad. I'm a pretty good person. There are too many people, listen, that think think they have time to deal with this issue that they know is true in their life. There was no doubt that this man knew that he was blind. And I would say to you, even maybe some sitting in this room, you know, you know the truth. You know that you're a sinner. You know that there's judgment coming from, from, from God for your sin. You know that you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but you haven't done it. You haven't done it. You're still spiritually blind. Jesus said to the Pharisees back in chapter 8, Jesus said to them in verse 21, Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then he goes down to verse 24. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. What was, what was Jesus saying to the Pharisees here? He says, the, the, he says, I'm the light of the world. And those who believe on me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You can have spiritual life. You can have spiritual light. You can understand. You can have freedom from all of this, but you're going to die in your sins. Why are you going to die in your sins? Because you refuse to believe that I'm the Christ. Now, I say that to say this. These Pharisees had so much opportunity. Here's a miracle performed right in front of them. And the lengths that they would go to to deny him that he's the Christ. Why did they do that? Because they would not believe. But yet there are some, even in this room today, you know the truth about your sin. You know that there's judgment coming for your sin. You know that this world is going to pass away. You know all of these things, and you say that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, but you have not proven your belief because you haven't obeyed his word to repent. You're going to die in your sins. You're going to die in your sins. That's terrifying. There's a lot of people who still think they've got time to deal with this. But you know, you don't know the hour of your death. I think there's several people who've died in this last year because of some disease. Who a year ago or year before that never, ever, ever saw that coming. We don't know the hour of our death. Here's another thing. We don't know when the Lord's going to return. But it could be any minute, friend. It could be any minute. You see what's happening in the world today. Listen, the very Word of God is unfolding right before our eyes. Jesus Christ is coming very soon. You don't have time! You're going to die in your sins. 
that ought to terrify you. It doesn't matter whether you chose to be a sinner or not. The fact is you are. The fact is there's a way of deliverance. But you've got to obey the word of Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin and believe the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This man would have never had the opportunity to be free of his blindness if he despised the method by which he was to be healed. If he said, no, that's not for me. But listen, there's only one way for us to be saved. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. We're all, we're all in the same boat, and there's only one way of salvation. The mo- listen, if you despise that, you're going to die in your sins. But praise the Lord, this man obeyed. Amen? The Bible says he went and washed. He believed Jesus' words. He proved his belief by obeying what he said to do. And the Bible says he came seeing. Amen? But I want you to note with me, thirdly, the ministry of the master, because the story doesn't stop there with him just receiving his physical sight. Here's the application to Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world. It goes beyond just receiving the physical sight from, to, to, to him being able to come to understand and know exactly who Jesus is, where he receives spiritual sight, and this man is saved. This happens from verses 8 all the way through verse 38. He was exposed to the light. Jesus passed by. This man's life was forever changed physically. Jesus heals him of his physical handicap first. But after Jesus exposed the man to physical light, he begins leading him through a series of events that brought him face to face with the reality of who Jesus really is. Being able to see physically was great, but that wasn't enough. Being able to have physical eyesight is not enough. We've got to come to the place where we're able to see spiritual truth. And that's what Jesus did. And I want you to notice the progression that this man went through as the light began to shine in his life. All right? So he's got physical sight. His life has changed that way. But Jesus gives him what he really needs, and that's spiritual sight. Notice this. First of all, in verses 10 through 12, we find that this man simply refers to Jesus as a man who is called Jesus. Okay? Look, look in verse... Well, let's start in verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received sight. Notice here that when the people asked this man who had healed him, all he knew was that it was some guy named Jesus. It could have been a thousand different people, but it was somebody named Jesus. That's how he referred to him as. That's all he knew. But you know what? That's where a lot of people are today, too. All they know is that Christians get all excited about somebody named Jesus. And there's some people who know a little about Jesus or who know his name and so on. But just simply knowing a little about Jesus or or, or referring to his name is not enough to save you. Because if we don't know him any better than that, then we don't really know him at all. If that's the case, that's all you really know about Jesus then you're never going to be able to help others find him either. They said, who is he? He said, 
Somebody named Jesus. He says, I don't know where he is. He's just somebody named Jesus. I think there's a lot of people who profess Christianity, who profess to be saved, but they're still here in this spot. They don't really know Jesus. They don't know him as their savior. They don't know him as a friend. They don't know him as their comforter. They just know that there's some religious side of my family. There's just some religious side in my life, and we call him Jesus. That's it. That's a very limited knowledge. But it was the first step on the road to salvation for this guy. Because notice verses 13 to 17. All right, you get to verse 12. They said unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God. Because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. So he healed him on the Sabbath day. He can't possibly be of God. Look, he broke the Sabbath law. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? Now notice this, he said, he is a prophet. There's a little bit of a change there. He goes from a man who's called Jesus to, he's a prophet. When the Pharisees heard of this miracle, they called the blind man. They tried to get to the bottom of what was going on. Some of them were upset that Jesus did this on the Sabbath day. They concluded if he, could, if he would do something considered to be work on the Sabbath day, he couldn't possibly be of God. He's got to be a sinner. So they asked this man who was blind, and he said, who is he? Jesus said, or the man said, he's a prophet. In other words, he ought to be a man who should be listened to. He's a prophet. This man had listened to Jesus once. This man had gone and washed in the pool of Siloam as he was commanded to. He had found out that Jesus was true, that all he said was true. And he says, this is a man you should listen to. His obedience resulted in his healing. And so he concludes that Jesus is a man who should be listened to. But you know what? There are many who are in this same boat as well. They've received this much light. They understand that Jesus is somebody who should be listened to. Their opinion of Jesus is that he's a wise, great teacher. He shows us the way and so on. But they stop short of believing in him as their Savior. Now notice verse 18. The Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He'll speak for himself. And obviously, verse 22, they said that because they feared the Jews and so on. But let's read on a little farther. Verse 24, they again called the man who was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What, what did he to thee? How open he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. Ye did not hear, wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not whence from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, 
that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. What is he saying here? He goes from saying it's just a man who, his name is Jesus, to saying that he's a prophet, to saying that he's a man of God. Through this series of questions by the Pharisees and some pretty good preaching on the part of this man, he arises at the conclusion that Jesus is a man of God. He's a man to be followed. He even asked the Pharisees if they'd like to follow him. Are you going to be his disciple too? He's come to believe that Jesus is a great man. One who is working and speaking for God. And you know what? He's right. But he still hasn't gone far enough. Lost people have got to come to the place that Jesus is not just a good man, but they've got to realize that he is God. And he's not to be trifled with. He wasn't just a man of God. He was God in the flesh. An ordinary man could never have provided salvation to sinners. It took one who was both God and man at the same time to pay the eternal price for our sin. He's more than a teacher. He's more than a preacher. He's more than a miracle worker. He's God in human flesh. And here's where we get to the really good part where his spiritual eyes are completely opened. Look at verse 34. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord? that I might believe on him. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Wow. Now he believes that he is the Son of God. Finally, Jesus comes to this man personally, and when he does, he reveals his true identity to this man. At this point here, the man confesses Jesus to be the Son of God, and the man is, is gloriously saved. This man had progressed from seeing Jesus as one among many, or one to be listened to, or one to be followed, and now he sees Jesus as the one who is worthy of faith and worthy of worship. He sees him for true, who he truly is, and this is when this man gets saved. And let me say this to you, friend. That is the conclusion that all men must arrive at before they can ever be saved. Some of you sitting in this room are not saved. You've not come to the place where you recognize Him as God, and I am accountable to Him, and I am a sinner, I am lost, I deserve His judgment, and what I need is His mercy. You've not come to that conclusion yet. But you need to, or you're going to die in your sins. If he's not the Son of God, then he's a big fake, and all of us are headed for hell. This is the place where we have to get to if we're ever going to be saved. Have you, have you, have you reached that place this morning? Listen, this is much more than just some profession of faith. This is much more than some profession that, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm saved. What we find now, though, is this great contrast between this man and the Pharisees. In verse 34, they kicked him out. They cast him out because he was going to believe on Jesus Christ. He refused to bow to their pressure so they cast him out of the synagogue. Then you get down, though, to verse 39. 
And notice verse 39 here. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see. That was this man. And they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. Listen, if you were blind, you would understand where you're at. You'd understand your spiritual condition, and you'd be saved. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. You think you've got it figured out? You think you're right with God? You don't think that there's anything wrong with you? And because of that, you're still blind. Your sin remaineth. And what we find here is the judgment that is coming for these men. Jesus said to the Pharisees, if you were blind, you'd have no sin. But now you say, we see, and your sin remaineth. And it goes right back to what Jesus said to them in chapter 8. Because you refuse to believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. Christ came not to condemn the world by an act of judgment. He said, I came into this world for this reason, so that those that are blind might see. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I came to give light to this world. He didn't come into this world and con to condemn the world by an act of judgment, by, but by His coming as the light of the world. Listen, He couldn't avoid but passing the sentence of death upon darkness and sin. And that's what He's talking about when He says to these Pharisees, because you refuse to believe, that's why you're going to die in your sins. And there are none so blind as those who refuse to see. The Pharisees said, we see, yet they saw not Jesus Christ as the light and the Savior of the world. Although Jesus opened this blind man's eyes and gave the spiritual significance of it, they denied the Lord Jesus Christ when they said, we know that this man is a sinner. Therefore, they were condemning themselves by preferring the darkness of ignorance and death to the light of light and knowledge of life. Those who are blind spiritually and know it are the ones who quickly receive sight because they soon turn to Him who can save them from their sin. But those who say we see and abide in the light of their own eyes, which is man's philosophies, man's religion, they're going to one day find out how blind they really are when they stand before God. Your sin remaineth. Your sin remaineth. And you're going to die in your sin. Listen, the opening of the blind man's eyes in this passage is a witness of Christ's power as the light of the world. Not just to give physical light and sight, but to open the spiritual eyes so that we can see what we really are and we can turn to Him who is the light of life. But it's also a warning to those who trust in the light of their own eyes or their religion or who love their sin, as John chapter 3 tells us. It's a warning to you because it leads to everlasting darkness. If you've not believed and obeyed Christ's command to all men everywhere to repent, then you're still in spiritual darkness. You're not walking in light. The Spirit of God is talking to somebody today. Jesus said to this man, you've seen him, and he's talking to you. In the same way, the Spirit of God reveals who Jesus Christ is. The Word of God reveals who Jesus Christ is, and he's talking to you. What are you going to do with the command of Christ? The blind man had to believe and obey, and that's when he came seeing. The same is true for salvation. You've got to believe what you are, sinner, condemned, 
You've got to believe who Jesus is, that He's the Son of God, that He died for your sin, that He paid the price, that He rose again for, from, the, from the grave. And John chapter 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and, and, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And in faith and repentance, turn to Jesus Christ. Listen, you've got to believe and obey the word of the Lord. Or you'll never, ever see the light of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would use your word. I'm glad your word is powerful. I'm glad your word is alive and it's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of a person's heart. It's not in the struggling words of a man, but in the powerful, life-giving words of the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Lord, would you use it in hearts today? There are some who are yet in their sins. Their sin remaineth. If they refuse to believe, they're going to die in their sin. There's some who need to admit what they are. Maybe they have a profession. But that's all it is. It's not genuine conversion and salvation. But they've been holding on to that. Lord, would you use your word to bring them to the place where they see what they really are and then obey the command of the gospel. There's some who've maybe never made a profession but they think they've got time. They still love their sin. They're not willing to yield control of their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that they would come to the place like this man did. Who is he, Lord, that I might believe? What a surrendered, yielded heart this man had. Accomplish your will in Jesus' name. Amen.